Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. So welcome back. This is Generation Education. I'm Ruth Baynard and you're listening to 101.9 High FM. So now with me this morning, I've got Wendy Hartsman. Wendy is a child psychologist who works with children, adolescents, families and parents. Wendy has worked in various settings. She is currently in private practice. She has a keen interest in anxiety, discipline, divorce and parenting. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you. So, Wendy, this morning we're going to be chatting about discipline and boundaries and how we implement that with children. And I wanted to ask you, in terms of discipline, can you just talk us through what we're referring to when we talk about discipline and boundaries? So, Today, we speak about discipline, not punishment. So what is discipline? Discipline basically is to teach your child. You want to encourage them. You want things to be positive in your home. And I think as a parent, it's really important to establish clear limits with our children. You want to teach them what is allowed in your house, what isn't allowed. And once the children know the limits... They basically then will know the consequences and to teach them, the con- well, to tell them the consequences of their actions. So they then become responsible for their actions. And that's really what you want to do. You want to teach your children so when they go out into the world, whether it's nursery school, primary school, they really know how to behave because you've taught them, you know, what is right and wrong and the consequences for their actions. Right. So when we're talking about discipline, Does that include boundaries or would it be something that is separate? So for me, I'm up for correction, but I think that it's together. Look, we discipline children and within the discipline, they have the boundaries because they should know what is right and wrong within a system. So the boundaries basically tell them, you know, the boundaries are what makes the discipline basically. Okay, right. So... If I'm thinking now children and I'm thinking babies and you get, let's say, a little six-month-old that is biting mommy or hitting or doing something that isn't appropriate, what age can one start disciplining children from? Would you say six months or younger, older? What would be the norm sort of thing? You know, it's interesting because when we said discipline, it's basically we teach in the child. So from a young, young age, if a child starts biting you, then surely you have to show them, uh-uh, this is unacceptable. But as a parent, you don't keep on to say no, no, no. So basically you show them this is unacceptable. We, you know, shoulders are not for biting or hands are not for biting. Biscuits are for biting. So you direct them, you kind of redirect a child in the right direction to teach them what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. So for me, I think discipline probably starts at a young, young age um, for them to know what is acceptable and not acceptable. Okay, so when we talk about young, young age, so obviously that little baby six-month-old isn't going to understand the concept of punishment or there's a consequence to an action. So would you say that it would be something that's more them understanding the vocal tone of the parent? Totally. Tone is so important because, you know, you can say to a child no or no, and a child certainly knows the difference. And I think that's what they start learning, you know, the the kind of the warm, fuzzy words and the more negative disciplining words. Okay, because I also read somewhere that, Often touch can be, well, is associated with positive reinforcement. 
So if we're wanting to now let the child know that this is not okay, what would you recommend in terms of touch? So I think, you know, if a child, for example, is doing something that's unacceptable, you would, you take their hand and you'd remove it and show them there's something else. And I think when they're little, they know that, as you say, they know, you know, just to redirect them and to divert their focus. Yes, and I suppose if mommy's holding their baby and the baby decides to bite her shoulder, she can actually then put the baby down and say in a stern voice, no. So that baby actually realizes that that's not okay because now all of a sudden mommy's not touching me and has used a horrible voice. Exactly. The same as when they're little, they pull your hair. And I think that that's what children do. They grip it and they pull it. They're not doing something wrong. It's almost like a reaction to something. So as you say, you just show them in a gentle way and kids learn quickly. I think they learn very quickly what is, you know, what I can do and what I can't do. Right, and it's about setting those boundaries, as we say, from an early age. Exactly. So then as they get older, now obviously they're going to now start understanding more. What tools could you use and put in place to make sure that your child is understanding that this is not okay, it's discipline time, and what would we be doing if we – so what would we be doing – For example, you smacked your friend, you're going to now have what happen? What consequence? Well, you know, let's say your child is an only child or brought up in a family of many children. I think the child would know what's acceptable and not, that you cannot smack someone. So for me, you talk to a child and from day one, you're basically speaking to the child. So the word becomes important. And consistency, to explain to a child that that is incorrect. The same way as we have to role model, if we hit in our children, then chances are the child will hit at school because they know that's just acceptable. That's what mom does. She loves me, and that's what she's doing. So I think when they're young, child will know what's acceptable or not. They go to play school. They watch their friend. If they hit once, I'm sure the play teacher will definitely say something Absolutely. and a child learns quickly right. they're like sponges they learn you know and, from and day what one. about something like time out or the naughty or thinking chair or the thinking corner what about those methods oh that's quite individualized i mean i know some people like that idea for me i think to separate a child yeah it, it could be good but on the other hand i think a child can learn from communication consistency, communication, explaining what is right and wrong and why it's wrong and the feeling and all of that as opposed to putting a child in a corner. you separating them. They don't feel good, self-esteem, etc. So for me, it wouldn't work, but I know some people would agree with that. Right. So I suppose that's almost like negative mm. reinforcement, whereas we want to do more positive. Absolutely. So maybe something like a reward system. Well, I think people do work with star charts. You know, if your child, let's say they, you know, they're a little bit, their temperament is more of sort of a gregarious out there child and you're struggling with their discipline, perhaps a star chart can certainly work. You know, if your child by Friday, Monday to Friday, they've behaved at school, everything's good, they get a small little you know, gift or something, not something huge. It mustn't always be a reward system, but it is nice to show the child that 
you know, that's how you behave. Look what happens when you really behave. Right. I suppose finding that fine balance Absolutely. that you don't want to everything be negative and every behavior you're going to be punished. But on the other hand, you also don't want them to believe that every behavior when they're being good, they're going to get a reward Absolutely. or a prize or a present. Then they get almost that sense of entitlement. So then moving on to quite a hot topic, teenagers. Now, teenagers obviously are very different kettle of fish to younger children. They obviously have to be a lot more rules in place, a lot more boundaries. What would you suggest when it comes to teenagers with regard to discipline? For me, teenagers are going through their own story. Plus, parents are also going through their own story when they have teenagers. You kind of can't believe the teenager is who they are. They're the sweetest, cutest children. And I look at them. For me, I think that while your child is growing up, you have to build that relationship of I'm here for you as a parent. I listen. I pay attention. I'm not judging you. We could talk about things. You know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable for 12, 13, 14 years. We've, you know, you know how it works in our family and what's acceptable to a mom and a dad or to mom, whatever. Um, and I think it's being open with your child, open. And children by nature in, in their teenagers' years, they separate into their bedrooms, you know, the uh, yes, door is yes. shut. And for me, it's walking into that room and saying, boy, you know, listen, boy or girl, let's talk what's happening and to build a relationship where you don't judge. No, no, no. You can't do that. You know, that's unacceptable. You know, that uh, right. you know, it's more about that open communication right. without but what judgment. But if I may interrupt there, what about sure. that teenager that's now, as you say, they're in their bedroom, they've separated themselves and they online playing some sort of game and you call them and say, supper time and what's the first response they give you is I can't I'm busy in the middle of a game and I can't pause it's amazing how all of a sudden these games never have pause buttons mm. and or oh, I'm about to die and I need to actually make sure I've got to finish this game how do you handle that I mean should there be some sort of strict uh uh this is supper time go off or would you say give them a bit of lenience especially if it's happening all the time you know, I think that in a family, you create your own kind of rules and boundaries in a way. So you have to say, well, supper is at seven o'clock. So whether you in the middle of a game, not in a game, remember, seven o'clock is supper time. So either don't start or start. So children have to be aware, take responsibility. You know, seven o'clock is supper. We all sit down together. If that's the way your family system work, you know, each mm. family is different. But to say, remember, boy, at seven o'clock or girl or whatever, it's seven o'clock supper time. And at seven o'clock, make sure you're downstairs. And if they're not, then I think that there has to be a consequence. Then don't eat supper. Supper will be cold. But to, you see, to discipline a child, I think you don't do in the heat of the moment. You do it when things are good. So let's say you've had a rough day or whatever. The next, you know, forget about that day. The next morning you wake up and say, I just want to reinforce how it's going to work today. Right. Seven o'clock is supper time. And that's what I expect. That's what mom and dad or just dad or just mom expect. you downstairs, you know, or wherever at the supper table at that time. And to put it so they know how the day is going to be. You know, at seven yes. o'clock is this. So, so they know, I think that... You can't give any child, any age, a surprise. Come for supper. Right, you know, right, right. Hello, what's going on? You need consistency. Consistency. Yes, yeah. Every night we eat at this time. And I think through that you build that yeah. 
And teenagers have so much going on in their world as it is that very often the home is the safe space, for lack of a better word. Right. And they know that they can almost get away with more at home. And you mentioned something very interesting just a little bit earlier. You actually used the word responsibility. And it's something I actually hadn't connected until you actually used the word responsibility. I suppose teenagers' discipline is actually all about teaching them responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. about when they're getting disciplined, about the fact that they're actually also, a lot of the time, it's about their own well-being and about safety. I mean, you'll get that teenager where they go out for the evening and you say to them, curfew is at X time. And most of the time that is because the parent wants to be aware of where is my child and what are they doing? Not because they're being nosy, but because of safety concerns. Have you come across that and what would be your advice in terms of that for parents? Well, as I say, you know, just before they're flying out the door or taking them out, I don't think you should sort of mention it then. I think there should be a discussion about it, a discussion when things are good. You know, what do you think? And have a discussion with your child. What do you think? What will work for you? What will? So it's a win-win situation. You don't yeah. want your child, because if a parent is punitive with a, with a teenager, anger, anger will reappear and they'll be cross with mom and dad. As opposed to, I mean, you don't, you know, it's not ideal, but to have a discussion, what's going to work? So both of us are in a good space. Tell me, I know it's hard to leave the party at 12 o'clock, but I'm concerned about it. So if, we, <clears throat> if we're going to stay later, what do you think we should do if you stay in later? So that mom or dad feels comfortable that they know that their child is responsible and doing the correct thing, you know. Right, and yes. I think kids also need a bit of freedom. We've gone through COVID. It's been very hard. And freedom within boundaries. That's, for me, what it's really about, you know. You can do what you want within the boundary. Right. Yes, now I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. But now I want to throw a spanner in the yes. works. Yeah. <laughs> so and I talk actually from personal experience. Those kids that are defiant, that mm. are going to push that boundary that the parent literally wants to rip their hair out on a daily basis. And when you're saying things like, have that communication and the talk. And when you have had it and you've said to the child the day before or earlier in that day, this is what's going to happen. Let's discuss how is this going to be or what are you going to be doing and what are the boundaries. And comes to the actual time, they try to push those boundaries. How does a parent deal with that? You know, look, then they, I would imagine there has to be a consequence. And it's hard, hard, we know, as a parent to actually follow through. You know, as a parent, you always think, oh, shame. But the truth is, if you don't follow through, the child knows next time I can do the exact same and my parents are not going to do anything. So it's almost then to have the discussion. Is boy or girl, you know, we had that discussion and let's just, you know, kind of unpack it. What happened? How come? And to have that discussion, why did you push your boundary? What was that about? Are you trying to test me? You know, and then the next time, well, what do you think I should do? And I, you know, I would ask a child, what do you think I should do? Do you think you should go out next time? How do you think we should do it differently? Because I'm not sure I can completely trust that. And I mean, trust then comes into the issue. Right, and you want yes. your child to feel that you can trust them. So it becomes complicated. But it's important, I think, to know your child 
and to work with where your child's at and where you at as a parent, what you can manage and what can the child manage. Right. It yes. is hard. Of course it is. And it's kind of those hard discussions yes, yes. to say, you know, that you've got to bear the consequences of this. Especially when you got, and once again, I refer to teenagers because they're going through all the hormonal stuff as well. But it could apply to preteens as well, especially when there's a lot going on in terms of, say, the child has ADHD mm. or has some other medical something happening or there's a divorce going on in the home or uh, there's been a death or something and all of that factor in. Once you start taking all of that and the parent is trying to not only deal with their stuff but now this child that's dealing with this, what can one say to the parent about stepping back or about handling the child so that the parent doesn't reach that point where they actually just want to lash out? You know, I think, you know, when you mention all those things, people need support, no matter who it is, whether it's a parent or a child. And sometimes one has to search outward and find support. You know, if you are going through a divorce or your child is ADHD or there is lots happening in the family, I think it's important not to know and to remember that you are not alone, that there is outside help and there's lots of support because you and your child have an emotional relationship, a connection. And sometimes when you look in a broader community for the support structures, sometimes an objective sort of voice or idea can shift something. So in a way, I think that's important because often people feel alone. You know, it's only right. us going through it, which is not true. Or maybe it is true, yes, yes. but to search in the wider community and find support. Yeah. And it's almost like having that person that has the knowledge but doesn't have the emotional exactly. attachment, which yeah. makes so much sense. Sure. I mean, I can think of times where, one time in particular, where I actually I was at my wit's end and I thought, no, I can't do this anymore. And I actually went and bought myself a key for my bedroom. <laughs> And when he was misbehaving, I'd lock myself up in the bedroom and say, I'm not coming out until you behave. It's like you need a time <laughs> Exactly. Out. And for me, it was. It was time out so that I didn't actually explode. And for him, it was the worst thing to be separated from mom. And yeah, mom actually yeah. chose to step away from the situation. Mm -hmm. So it, was, it wasn't that I was punishing him. I was just taking myself out of the equation. Right. Try cope. Well, this is yeah. it. And that's, I think, very much what comes into play when we talk about disciplining children is, first of all, to look at the parent and see what sort of parent am I? What am I going through? And what tools do I need to cope? And that's something I actually want to ask you about. What would you suggest? What tools can a parent use for themselves to cope with discipline situations? You know, if you look at it, we parent the way our parents parented us. And often you hear your voice and you think, oh, my gosh, that sounds just <laughs> like my mom. <laughs> but for me, it's important to know what triggers you and to look after yourself. And it's such a cliche, you know, make sure you look after yourself. But it's true. It is true. Because you need to look after your health. You need to look after your emotions, your being, you know, eat well and so that your resources, your cup is full. And when you go, you know, you pick that child up from school and you are feeling good, you can confront much more as opposed to you feeling frazzled. You cannot confront anything. Right. So I think it's really important for 
parents to look after themselves, whether it's, you know, half an hour in the day or 10 minutes, go for a coffee, do something that makes you feel good. And that energy will definitely sort of be transmitted to your child. Yes, I suppose. And if you look at it from the other way around, when your child's having a good day, you almost have a good day because they're behaving. So if you look at them, reverse it around, when you're in a good space, it puts them in a good space. You feed off each other. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. I really love that analogy. And we actually had a show a few weeks ago about parents coping and looking after yourself. And that was actually one of the most important things. Absolutely. Take care of yourself so you can take care mm-hmm. of others. Correct. Just a final question, Wendy, that I wanted to ask you. Um, if a child is battling or a parent's battling and a child's battling, would you recommend that they do come for therapy? What would be the criteria for a parent to say, I must come for therapy or my child must come for therapy? You know, I I guess, you know, like we said earlier, that if you feel like you're not coping, there are so many resources out there that you really can get support. So I think, you know, if a parent thinks I'm really not coping, perhaps they can go first and speak to a therapist and see whether if they work on certain areas, it might impact the child or should the child be in therapy. But for me, it works if mom is in therapy and child is in therapy. I think it's quite healthy. And it doesn't have to be long term. It's not sort of like, oh, we're going, you know, for for a year. They can go for a few sessions, see how it's working, put things into practice, and then, you know, reassess. It doesn't have to be long term. Right. And I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> When you say resources, could you maybe tell us a couple of the resources available out there? I mean, yourself, obviously, as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just to kind of connect with any psychologist one can find, um, you know, in the Jewish community, there is the Chev, they have um, social workers, there is, um, now they've got the Key, which is also the resources, it's much, uh, it's at a you know, reduced rate. Sorry, I, I can't think offhand. And no, also psychologists. Yes. There, are, there are many that specialize with children and parents. And as I say, it doesn't have to be long-term. Often just one or two things can change the dynamic. And that's really what you want to, you want to change that dynamic in the family. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Wendy. We've been chatting with Wendy Hartsman, child psychologist, And just to reiterate, she did mention resources. So it's the key. Am I I saying that correctly? The key. How is it actually spelt? Because I know it's unusual spelling. So it's T-H-E, like a capital T, and K-I, just the capital K. Okay, so T-H-E, capital K-I. Right. So that is one resource. Or going to the HEV. Or I suppose searching online, or if you want to get hold of Wendy, you can also get hold of Wendy. And just make sure that you're looking after yourself in terms of disciplining your child so that you can have a better relationship, your family can have a better relationship, and of course, most importantly, your child has a better relationship. You're listening to Ruth Baynard on Generation Education 101.9 High FM. We'll be right back.